You are watching the Hoop Central podcast right here on Spirit Live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, right here to the perfect place for all things golf. Today, in this installment, we are going to practice your swing, get your clubs, get your balls. <laughs> hey, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Quite small golf balls, and we're going to put it in the hole. Welcome to the Hoop Central <laughs> Podcast, right here on Spirit Live, and also on Spotify. Um... I'm your host, Nakeem. Nakeem, alongside me is my, my, I don't even know if I want to say friend, but none other than my right hand right here, uh, Malik. And this is the perfect place to talk all things basketball. I know the golf thing might have threw you off a bit, but you know, we like to have fun. We like to joke around, yeah. but uh, we like to touch on things that might have sounded a little weird. You know what? We we like to address we like to discuss things regarding basketball, not just yeah. the NBA conversation, but you know, uh, college basketball. We've yes. talked about a lot with March Madness, obviously, yes. uh, WNBA, G League, whatever it is. We love talking about Very basketball, fresh. and we'll give you a different perspective that you won't get on the mainstream media outlets. Boom. With that being said, Malik, the Boston Celtics have really been the hottest team in the NBA since the calendar year change, and. It's just been insane to how great they've been. If oh, it feels like it's an overnight shift. They were just they were twenty three and twenty four at one point. Wow. And now Malik, I don't have the exact record in front of me. If you have it. Uh I'll get the uh record, but I guess a cool statistic is um since they've went twenty three and twenty four, they've only lost, I believe, five to six games that is exactly what so i was trying to the rest and uh and the record is right now is 47 and 30 after starting 23 and 20 uh, uh 23 and 24 and they have a 61 percent win percentage and they're just you know they're doing good at home they're doing good in a way and they're just they're just a unit right now but defensively they are probably probably the top three. not even like I'd, i i was gonna say best in the nba but i think that's a given but they're one of the best defensive teams that we've seen in like the last three years. Oh my like, God. Defensive anchors from Al Horford and Marcus Smart and... And the person that we wanted to talk into that leads us into our first segment of this episode, Robert Williams, who has really evolved into one of the premier defenders in the NBA. And now, what a guy. this is this is kind of that's, an embarrassing moment for me. Boy, that's my boy, if this you is, remember. This Robert, is, Robert Williams, this time is, lord. This is kind of an embarrassing moment for me because if uh, for those who have stuck around since the very first season, Malik said that Robert Williams III is going to be Defensive Player of the Year eventually, like like next season or something like that. And me, Stetson, and Justin laughed. Like, I, I think if I could find the episode, we literally laughed at Malik's prediction because we're like what the heck are you talking about right but Robert Williams had developed into one of the the best uh, defenders in the NBA and I can only I knew it I can only Malik you're right you're right (laughs) that's that's something you don't hear a lot (laughs) (laughs) Malik is the the Nostradamus when it comes to basketball he might have outlandish takes but they're so outlandish that they end up manifesting into reality but you've said of yourself 
Raw Williams is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. But if you aren't aware, he suffered a torn meniscus Man. and is out six to eight weeks. But as we know, a torn meniscus is a serious injury, and we've seen players be out for the entire season. Colin Sexton is, is an example of someone dealing with a torn meniscus, and he won't be returning to an NBA court anytime soon. For the Boston Celtics, with that type of injury to that caliber of a player who's so crucial to that team, me personally, I believe them to be a serious contender when they were healthy with Robert Williams. Yeah, I believe. Do you that too. think they are still within that category, or do you think they've dropped off a bit without him? I think they're still within that category, but there's definitely teams in the plan that you don't want to face because the presence of Robert, Robert Williams is so important and so evident. Like which defense? Team? He's so part of the scheme. He's so part of all the defensive schemes, and he's number one. They don't call him Time Lord for a reason. He controls the state of the mind, the state of time at that. At that particular uh, particular play, and you know he's blocking all the shots. But the, the team I'm talking about that Boston has to avoid is our guys, the Raptors. The Raptors. The Raptors are looking at this right now and are like, "This is good. This is good for us." So we can see what happens. Of course, they got Marcus Smart. Of course, they got players that could step up in Robert Williams' absence, especially Daniel Tice. He's uh, he's, he looks rejuvenated and he's trying to turn around his career. He's playing great in Boston again. Yeah. Players like Payne Pritchard. uh, We've seen glimpses of Aaron Neesmith versus the Raptors. He dropped 13, a couple threes. Grant Williams could fill the void. He could try his best. He's a little bit shorter, but uh, he could still fill that void in the fourth spot. And then obviously you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who are going to lead the way. So you you got a lot of pieces that you could still make a run in the conference finals. But Robert Williams is still huge. Yeah. And I could see, you know, I know that. It's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to make excuses. I know Boston Celtics fans may say, oh, we're going to lose this series because we don't have Robert Williams. But there's so much other players that could step up and do the same. But Robert Williams is still a huge loss for them. What do you think? What do, yeah, you, no. do, you, do you think that this will affect them for the long haul? you think that will be the reason for their possible elimination if they do get eliminated in the first, second, or third round? Yeah, I think they're a team that, with the roster currently as it is, with Robert Williams out of it, they can, they can get out the first round. They're just that talented. They yeah. play that sound defensively. But when it comes to winning a championship, Robert Williams would have been your starting center, right? Let's say you do end up making out of the the East and you go against the team in the West who, let's hypothetically say it's the Phoenix Suns. Now, instead of Robert Williams guarding DeAndre Ayton, you have an older Al Horford guarding DA. And although DeAndre Ayton isn't a dominant big man as in he's going to get a lot of touches and he's just going to pound, pound, pound like a Joel Embiid or maybe even a Jokic. But if Horford gets in foul trouble, who is your backup? Gotta go small and go. You gotta go small. Gotta and then go small, you're going Grant. One thing we know is that Monty Williams, if you go small with Aiden on the court, he will abuse that. He will be, and Aiden is one of the most efficient players we've seen in recent history. Oh, in the paint. He, it's like he doesn't miss when he's in the paint. He just has such a soft touch, but I personally viewed them to be in the contenders. Like, for example, my contenders are Phoenix, Milwaukee, um, Boston was up there, Miami. Miami was up there, Philly have an asterisk beside because their depth really concerns me. And Memphis. And then I also I actually did not have Memphis as a contender, but I'll get into that. And I had the Warriors as a contender. Those were my Warriors, yeah, yeah, contending yeah. teams, right? Because I feel like the East is so wide open that anyone could come out. But for the West, I think it's a two-man race. Even though the Warriors are slumping, I feel like... Memphis, not Memphis, but um, Phoenix and Golden State are the most poised and ready for ready. the playoffs. Yeah. But without Robert Williams, I think that's a significant hit. Yeah. And now when you go up against a team, like if you have to go up against Philly in wherever you have to face them, because you're eventually going to maybe bump into them if you're Boston, that is tough. 
that is really tough to go up against Joel Embiid without Robert Williams. As as we said, yeah. defensively he's been amazing. So now Joel, who is a guy who really gets a lot of fouls. Like I mean, he draws a lot of fouls. Oh my goodness. Those big men for Boston are going to be Daniel Tice is gonna get a lot of fouls. Gonna have a hard time. Horford's gonna get gonna have a hard time. They cannot keep up with Embiid. No. So that's the one thing I'm concerned about when I think about Boston. Do I think they could still somewhat somehow pull it off? Yeah. We've seen a team okay. with a rookie-led Jason Tatum make it to the conference finals and almost winning game seven against LeBron. So, as we know in the NBA, anything is possible. But as you said, this now makes teams like the Raptors, like the Bulls, like the Brooklyn Nets, their eyes light up when they see a matchup like this because now you're missing someone who is so crucial to the success that you've built yeah. and you take him away. How much of a well-oiled machine are you going to be in the playoffs? Exactly. It's a real question to ask. Well, it's a real question to ask, and I think that this makes Boston definitely an expendable team. And if, yeah. if if I were them, I'd be like, this is the year that we're supposed to do it. This year that we're supposed to prove teams wrong after starting 23 and 24 and get this machine going. But that's just, I, you know, I generally feel bad in a way. Even though I'm a Raptors fan and we feel good. Yeah. But I generally feel bad because it's almost like such bad timing. That's like... For us, that's equivalent to probably like a Gary Trent going down. Yeah, going or like an OG and an OB. OG down six to eight weeks, going to miss. Uh, I know they said Robert Williams is likely to mix, miss the first round, but maybe the second round. The only move that Celtics have made is signing Juwan Morgan to a 10-day contract. So clearly, they're looking for a power forward or center to fill the void. And if it's not Juwan Morgan, maybe they'll, they'll, uh, they'll seek someone else in the G League, but they're definitely trying to find trying to find a filler right now. Yeah, and um, I like how you brought up the this being the year to really you know make that move like make that push to win a championship or propel in the deep in the postseason because it's going to be some real talk we've obviously obviously heard talk before about Jalen Brown potentially being out of Boston to switch things up Mm. because of the struggles that the Celtics have had but I like how you brought that up because there is a team in the NBA who are having those same discussions because of them doing the opposite of what Boston's doing, mm-hmm. and that is they're just losing games. They're sliding. Yeah. They, they're they're still going to be a playoff team, but it's just not looking good. From being the best team in the NBA last year, a season ago, to now being, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, I have it right here with me. They are now the sixth seed, and they lost and five in a row. There, that is insane. Wow. And they're close to the, the if the Timberwolves keep winning, this team could see themselves in the play-in. Wow. Against on. a team that they do not want to see in the play in because they get nightmares about them. That team we're talking about is the Utah Jazz. It's my team. Short right after the we're recording this the day after they blew up another twenty five point lead against the Los Angeles Clippers. And talk I feel bad for Jazz fans. They're probably going through it. Talk about a nightmare. And the, this just happened. The return of Paul George, he had like thirty something points. He dropped thirty four in like seven threes. <sighs> it's like whenever he gets injured, he comes back a better player. Isn't that weird? He had that career-altering injury with Team USA, and it looked like he his knee, I don't know how he bounced back that from that. That was crazy. Injury. That was that, gruesome. That video was gruesome. And he came back, and he became such a more sound player, didn't rely so much on athleticism. Mm-hmm. I believe shortly after, he became an MVP candidate yeah. with Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, he played well. And now he's with a, a group of this Clippers team that I think is one of the scariest teams because... Right now, they're 8th at 37 and 39. That's a scary 8th. And the reason we bring up the Utah Jazz is because if they fall to the 7th, they'll face the Clippers in the play-in. And I feel like that's a horrible matchup for them. Oh, man. And then if you lose to them, right now, the Lakers regain the advantage against the Spurs. 
So they're in the 10th seed. Uh, you go up against the winners of the Pelicans or the Lakers. But with the Jazz fl- playing as bad as they are, Malik, I know you keep up with the Jazz more yeah. heavily than I do. You yeah. have a guy on your fantasy team, which uh, forces you kind of to keep up with them. But My boy Boyan. With the current state of the Utah Jazz, I feel like they're in a position that the Toronto Raptors were in um, back before the Kawhi Leonard trade went down. Where they, Almost they, like a culture reset. They, they've, like, been, we need? they've been good, but good does isn't going to cut it anymore. You, you, The expectations is to be better than what you are. You haven't made it out the second round. At least with the Raptors, they got to the conference finals once with uh, back in 2016. But the, the Jazz, having reached the conference finals... This group, it's Conley's getting older. He's not getting better. Big contract. Uh, big contract. Big contract. Holy. So it's like you have Donovan Mitchell and you have Rudy Gobert. Yeah. What are you going to You have to do something with one of them. It's, and it seems like Mr. Spider Mitchell is the one who's going to be out because he seems the most gris, gr, yeah. disgruntled out of he's de- everyone. He's definitely the most expressive and he has no problem. He's not even, he doesn't even hesitate when talking about his frustrations. He, he, he makes it clear on social media, talks about it in uh, conferences, post-game conferences and just, I don't know, last year, Nikim and I were talking, last year was the year they had to do it. Last year was the year Perfect they had to do it. Perfect opportunity, place, man. You had a lot of injuries out west, especially with Denver. Lakers. You're, no, but you're going uh, against a Clippers team without Kawhi and you're up 25? You're going against a, uh, and then you make it, you go up against a young, inexperienced Phoenix, Phoenix Suns team. team. Yeah. And you could have done it, but dropping Lane, Lane Terrence, man, go off and blowing a 30 point lead is not it. And, and they were up, so they, they I believe that series, they were up, they're up, uh, they're up 2 0. They were up 2 0. And they lost four and then, straight. And then they are up 2 1, lost four straight. That was just a complete shutdown. And, yeah. Hey, Donovan Mitchell and Gobert's um, relationship is not helping as well. But they yeah. did add some pieces. Trent Forrest has gone much better. Um, they had a Rudy Gain the offseason. They had Rudy the offseason. You Hassan added Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside in the offseason. Jordan Clarkson is still pretty consistent. Mm. Boyan's getting older, but he's still doing great. You're cleaning it up, Eric Pascal. But still not enough. You have a deep roster. It's just about executing it. I don't know. There's just something missing. One thing I got to say is I feel like. Joe Ingles' season-ending injury really hurt them. Yeah. And obviously they traded him, but speculation is that he will re-sign with them once he becomes... I believe he's a free agent this coming offseason, or I'm not... I don't know what the situation is. Mm-hmm. But I saw a report that uh, due to some contract thing, they did some finagling to, so they don't have to give him extra money, then he'll come back and sign with them. I don't know how true that can interesting, be. Interesting, interesting. But... Joe Ingles has been such a crucial part to that team, not just on the court, but just holding them together as oh, a unit a lot, behind locker, the locker scenes. room guy. Talk about yeah. chemistry. Talk about communication yeah. on and on and off the court. He's that guy. Yeah, he's, he's that he's that glue guy for everybody. He keeps everyone intact. Keeps everyone in the game. But it looks like there was a change in emotion after he left. And Don Mitchell, Rudy Gobert have had a rocky road. Yeah, and it's not like see the one thing is. With the Toronto Raptors, and I'm I've apologized to those we've used the Raptors as an example a lot this episode. And we don't usually do this, but when they brought Kawhi in, it was made clear that this could potentially be a rental. Like yeah. I think everyone was aware of it, and it was a work relationship. Nothing more than that. Fred VanVleet said they didn't really go out for dinners that much. Kawhi didn't stay around. They didn't really talk. It was 
you come into work, you punch out, and you leave. But they were aware of that, and they knew that they had a job to do, and they did it. Yeah, I'm sure the Raptors front office already knew that Uncle Dennis and Kawhi were headed in a completely oh, other direction. direction. There was a chance that he could stay, but there was also a very high chance that he could leave. I'm looking at the Utah Jazz right now, and I could tell you're disgruntled between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Tough. But at the end of the day, you have a job with this team to win a championship. Whatever feelings you have towards each other, any animosity, whatever it is, put it to the side, come into work, do your work, punch out. You don't have to stick around and converse with... Not Hey, I believe... I believe um, I can't... I'm trying to remember which person said it. Um, I remember. I don't know if this will this will bring something Dirk Nowitzki. Sorry, Dirk Nowitzki. I don't oh. know if this is what you're you're gonna allude tell to, me, tell me. but uh, sorry to cut you off. But Dirk oh. Nowitzki was on the panel for I believe the All Star Weekend or something like that, and he was along with Dwayne Wade and Reggie Reggie Miller. This was during the NBA 75th ceremony after during the All Star game. Oh, All Star game. What do you say? So um Reggie Miller was instigating a little bit and he's like oh should I come between you and Dwayne Wade because mm-hmm. uh, for those that don't know Dwayne Wade and LeBron James mocked Dirk Nowitzki back in the NBA finals in 2011 when Dirk had the flu they were walking they were being recorded by ESPN or whatever and they started coughing like oh I'm not feeling so good and they were kind of mocking making fun of Dirk and um they lost, that, man. And, they uh, lost. and they lost to Dirk because Dirk I'm pretty sure took it personally and was like, hey, yo, I'm, I'm feeling bad, but I'm going to come and play and beat you. But Reggie Miller instigated and is like, should I come in between? I know there's bad blood. And Dirk said, he's like, not everyone can be friends. Like he, he laughed it off. He's like, oh, we're good, but not everyone can be friends. And that's true. You can't be friends with everyone. It's just, yeah. it's impossible. Like everyone has different personalities, different emotions. And this is a situation where it seems like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert can't be friends. Yeah, you can But act, that's not a bad thing. You can act respectful and be professional. And maybe you could treat, treat a person as a teammate, so but you don't have to hang out with them all the you time. You don't have to hang out with them. It seems like there's a lot of bad blood. Especially, I was going to say, I was talking with my friend, uh, our boy Kasim, yesterday. Yeah. He was like, hey, ever since Gobert touched those mics. Ever since, yeah. Donovan yeah. has held, held a grudge to him since then. And I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. Because I guess you could call it really irresponsible for him to do that. And he was joking. It was almost like a joke about that. And... Don Mitchell went and said that personally. He's like, "Oh, is this is this our team identity? Is this what we're gonna do?" And all ever ever since that happened, the NBA shut down. Everything went went on, and Don Mitchell still held him, held him on a held him on a tight pedestal. Yeah, for that. Yeah, so, so I think I think ever since that, they've kind of made up excuses exactly. to be mad at each other. Rudy Gobert, one of them's gonna be on the way out, or do you think it's both, or it would be a big big reset where he trade just everything? I think it's a retooling they're gonna have to do. Maybe just bring it, take a piece out, bring another piece in, like how you took DeRozan out, brought Kawhi in, and you've ended up winning a championship. Don't know if that's going to happen with Utah and what you can get for Mitchell or what you can get for Gobert, but it's going to be interesting to see what the front office does because I think there's a lot of questions going into this postseason, and we're going to get a lot of answers after it depending on how they perform. But... Moving on from this because we'll probably revisit it during the postseason and seeing how they perform and how things go. But we have the NBA draft coming up soon, about in a couple months or so. Is it late June, maybe? Late June, yeah. So after the postseason. But with March Madness, we've gotten to see some prospects uh, perform. Some have been able to play longer with a deeper run. Some got eliminated early. But 
right now we're gonna look at some mock draft look at some players that we personally like and uh basically talk about some of the prospects and our opinions on them yes, and sir. right now i'm looking at bleacher reports uh Me too. 2022 mock draft okay which is great um obviously there's some other ones nba draft room has a good one that I, I usually like looking at but we're looking at bleacher report for today and obviously these are just a, a mock of what they think the first round pick is going to be i think they guessed it based on the teams with the worst record, I think. Yeah, the teams with the worst record. So they have Orlando Magic at one, Detroit Pistons, Houston Rockets. So they have the first overall pick actually being Jabari Smith. Which is crazy. So just, I can imagine a lineup right now. But the thing is that now it gets really crowded. So what are you going to do? So you got your young guys are Jalen Sucks, Cole Anthony, Franz Walker, and Jabari Smith. But you also got guys like Wendell Carter. You got Jonathan Isaac. You also got Mark Fultz. You got Mo Bamba. Like, those are good problems, but... A lot of those players, at least two or three, are gone. Yeah, to, I think... to fill that void because each and every one of them deserve twenty-five plus minutes, one hundred percent. You just got to see how you retool that and see what happens. Like the Markel Fultz is probably the one where you have to make a big, big decision because he dropped like nineteen, two steals, seven for eleven yesterday. He's playing, yeah, wait, playing great off the bench, and he, I think he only got like 22, 23 minutes. He's playing great, but what are they gonna do? Jabari Smith is a great addition, absolutely, but. Got to see how you how you configure the starting lineup and the bench and the rotation. Yeah. We'll see because a lot of players are getting paid what twenty plus million to be off the bench. You exactly. got to see what's going on with exactly. that. What do you think? What do you think? Orlando I think do? the main person who's definitely not going to be on the team anymore, I think, is Jonathan Isaac. I think due to his um, his injuries and his ability to stay on the court, yeah, which sucks because when he's healthy. He is a top three defender in the NBA. I don't care what anyone says. Advanced analytics support this. And just the eye test. I remember he had a game against the Milwaukee Bucks where he had like seven steals in the first half. That's crazy. And he's just... if Even for those who play 2K, he wins Defensive Player of the Year almost is, every single year. Every year, at least in my league or even in my career sometimes. Like, Don Jonathan is Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. And, and one bold take. You know my cousin told me? This is a crazy let's hear, let's My hear. friend said Jonathan... My, actually, my cousin said Jonathan Isaac is a bust. Really? I'm like I did, I did disagree with him. I would disagree too. I disagree too, but I'm like, man, I get your argument, but for it's me, tough. for think, me, I, I will I will never label someone a bust if they deal with injuries. Yeah, because I don't think it's a bust. that's if if you play and you're bad, then okay, you're a bust. Like Anthony Bennett, bust. I think we all can agree, Anthony Bennett, Michael Candy, those guys are bust. But I will never say Greg Oden's a bust. I will never say Derrick Rose is a bust, nope. even though he did win MVP when he was healthy, so exactly. I don't think that counts. But but I wouldn't say Jonathan Isaac is a bust because he's been a great defensive player when he's healthy. And when he plays, he's wait been great. Until he, wait until he's healthy. One, one team is going to absolutely love him one day. He's a guy who would fit. He would fit. Oh, my gosh. I'm thinking about so many teams that he would really thrive. I think a San Antonio he would play great uh, with. Greg Popovich would put Popovich him in check. Popovich would. He Ooh. would. His length fits well with Memphis's defensive defensive identity. Oh, yeah. Toronto, uh, Toronto. Imagine him with the the Raptors. He, he would. He would. He would fill it 100. I remember when we played the when the Raptors played the Magic in the playoffs. He was a guy who really made things tough for us. But continuing on with this, Jabari Smith is a nice. Uh, he is a, nice. Is a nice addition in replacement of Jonathan Isaac. That's nice. He is. He is. It's just tough because Wendell Carter, Mobamba. You have a lot of things to sort out. What direction yeah. you want to go with that team? But. Oh yeah, I, I would say Mobamba's gone too. We'll see. We'll see. Because I'm looking at this team, I would low key. I would, Hampton. I would kind of want to get Chet number one if I'm or if I'm Orlando. Yeah, I, reunite I think Chet and uh, Jalen Suggs together, who are high school teammates. Who are high school teammates? They're boys. 
They like to talk. Chad, Chad'd be nice. Let's see. Chad'd be nice to Orlando and just like Leno card to the four, even though he's not traditionally good. Play the four, he has no problem. Play Mo Bamba as a backup. Play Mo Bamba, Bamba as a backup, but we'll, we'll see. But we'll see what but happens. But for the Bleacher Report, they have for the second pick the Detroit Pistons, who they have them taking Paulo Bancaro. Wow. Now I actually personally love this because I think Paulo fits. The Pistons better than Chet. And I'll give you my reasoning as to why. Yeah, I think so too. If you look at the way this Pistons team's constructed, Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bey, you have Marvin Bagley, nice Isaiah Stewart. Nice. I'm I know people might clown me, but I'm I'm someone who's really high on Marvin Bagley. So I still think he has potential to be so an all star caliber player. Not saying he's, he's going to be a he's superstar playing, like he's Luka. playing so good. That's a, exactly he's so good. He's got a fresh start. He has more motivation to play the game of basketball, and I think you slide Apollo in there. Apollo, although he's a power forward, I think he can play the small forward position. He just needs to improve his his shooting. And now, if you have a lineup of even though you have Killian, this is going to be tough because it's this is this is my dilemma with it though. You can do a small lineup and put Marvin Bagley at the five, and put Beef Stew at uh, coming off the bench as a six man. Come off the bench as six. And the Apollo at the four, Sadiq at the three, Cade, and then Killian. Or and that fits. This actually makes more sense to me because Killian has not been a good NBA player in his career. Right. He's actually he, he, he could be six man. Incredi- he could be a six man, but he's been really inefficient. You have Cade at the one, and then you go Sadiq at the two. You go big. Sadiq at the two, Paulo three, three, Marvin, and then Marvin and then four. Isaiah Stewart. And, and one person you haven't mentioned, which is cool, you haven't mentioned Jeremy Grant, but he's going to be the one to replace Jeremy Grant when he leaves yes. the offseason because yes. I don't see Jeremy Grant coming I don't back. See Although Jeremy he has expressed interest, interest in coming back, but Jeremy Grant said he wants to be the number one option on the on a team. He wants a bag too. So I don't know if Detroit's going to give him. If you're going to have a chance to draft Paulo, I would say take Paulo over Grant. Right now, and give it a chance and see what happens because it's going to be really scattered. Yeah, like you see Grant. Yeah, the thing is, Grant wants to go to a team where he could be number one option, but it's really going to be tough to see where we're going to go. Maybe like a Sacramento. But even I, then, but even I don't then, even think he would be. I don't think there's a team out there so. that he would be a number one option. Grant's, other than the Jeremy Detroit. Grant's a great, great, great player, but I feel like he'd make a great number two, number three option somewhere in a contending team. Or if you could find number one, go for it. But I say he'll be gone in the offseason. A team that might be able to use a Jeremy Grant, and I think would be the best personal fit, I think, would be a team we talked about earlier, the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz, I which be a they, they've expressed high, high, high interest, but, high interest. Yeah, so the, we got Paulo there, and um, the main, the, the other main player that we should talk about before we get into some personal favorites, Chet Holmgren at three with the Houston Rockets. I think Chet, that's Chet, actually Chet, Chet. a great one, too. That's a young, fun team. Chet can do literally everything. The only reason I'd be a little bit hesitant about that, you already have Sengun. So and then plus I don't know if the Houston have third I don't know if Chet's gonna fall to third yeah and I, but, I and Chris Wood has expressed uh, leaving Houston yeah so maybe you do a big lineup put Shengun and because Shengun can really so, pass the ball Shengun's playing really well and too. you have Homegrown but got, I, I like I, I personally like Chet Ken I just Porter, think that he might Ken be Porter a little bit double. overrated because I was gonna say he did he did struggle quite a bit in that final in that in that, uh, in that last game. Before they got eliminated, yeah, yeah. So he just struggled. He got blocked quite a bit of times. So he couldn't protect. The, he couldn't protect the rim. He couldn't score in the paint. But I feel like with a little bit of muscle, yeah. a little bit of more experience, I think he could get there. He could slide in and uh, fill that void in Houston for Christian Wood. But he got a little nice team there. Jalen Green, Kevin Porter have become a one-two punch right there. Kevin Porter with a little triple-double. Last night he had like 32, 32, 12 and twelve or something like that. 32, 34, 12 and twelve. And I'm really excited to see what happens. And breaking news. Jane Ivy has declared for the draft. Okay, something that's not even 
uh, unexpected. I think we all I mean, expected The next one to talk about for sure, because Oklahoma. Yeah, Jay and Ivy Oklahoma is express interest in Jay and Ivy. Jay and Ivy in Oklahoma. I think I like that. I like, I like that. that. I like that, too. So you got uh, you got uh, Josh Giddy, You got Jay and Ivy, Shea, Dort. And then you got to find that five. Who's Someone I think wife? that is going to be very intriguing because he did not play at all this college season is Shaden Sharp. And mm-hmm. I personally thought that he was going to stay another year because he didn't play. But it's being it's more and more likely that he's going to declare for the draft and that he will end up being drafted this season. For those of you who aren't familiar with Shaden Sharp, he did uh, commit to Kentucky. He is he fast tracked. He should have been a part of the 2022 class of high school. So this coming season, he would have been playing. But he fast tracked. But he did not play. He was just a part of the team. Did not play with them. And Coach Calipari said he's going to Sharp is going to test his his see his options and whatnot. And if for you for those who are keeping up with him, he's the number one player in his class. He's Canadian, by the way. So shout out to Sharp for being for representing Canada. He is one of the best dynamic guards Ooh. in the class. I mean, if he played, he can easily be a top three pick. And I'm not even over exaggerating. Yeah, he could be a top three. Pick. He is great, and I think his play style is going to be very magnifying and attractive for teams because he's one of those guys that is going to bring fans in the arena just like how Jalen Green will bring fans to the arena yes sir and once they develop and get into their own I could see him being a perennial all-star going down the line he's great he's great definitely one of my favorite most underrated teams Uh, Ohio State you know you already know who I'm gonna say EJ EJ Liddell EJ Liddell boy's a dog I I saw I think what's crazy is I had Ohio, Ohio State getting eliminated in the second round but I watched so much. I think I've watched Ohio State more than anybody. Really? Every time, every time my uncle's like, Ohio State's on, I'm like, ooh, EJ Liddell. Mm-hmm. And I've always put on. That guy plays so smooth. That guy plays so smooth. His strength, I say his best ability is his strength. Yeah. He'd get in, he could body power forwards and centers. And I think he's like 6'8 and, and very expendable. And he could shoot too. He has a really, he has a really nice jumper for a taller, taller individual. And I think that he could develop into like an immediate an immediate threat yeah. De- definitely de- de- definitely uh, definitely off ball off ball threat for sure coming from a small four power forward he could guard the he guard the five as well good really actually i could i could say he's a dead-eye mid-range shooter because i didn't see him miss a lot for mid-range as well he has a nice set shot yeah really good form good arc on that and i think he's gonna be another diamond in the rough for whoever picks him and and this one if i i'm gonna look right now I'm gonna see EJ Liddell right now. Uh, my ours might be different, but I see Cleveland Cavaliers. Ooh. That's a that's a great pickup. That's a great pickup. EJ EJ Liddell off the bench, and you have what's his name Nembard there too. Isn't isn't who's the Nembard? Is Nembard on the Cavs? Yeah, they have a, a guy named Nembard on the Cavs. Nembard, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, R, R, R J Nembard. Yeah, R J Nembard. R J Nembard yes. on the Cavs, and yeah, adding EJ Liddell to that young cast. Good, good stuff. Good mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, well, that is my list. That's a EJ Liddell is going to be a great player. Looking out, this draft class is sneaky. Like it's going to be. I feel like there's going to be a player who is like fits into that Paul George, Donovan Mitchell mold that they go late lottery, but end up blossoming to be one of the stars of this class. Maybe Shane Sharp. Shaden Sharp. Maybe a guy like AJ Griffin. You know, yeah, guys like that who uh, might end up blooming. Uh, uh, shout out AJ K- Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown. Yes, Kennedy Chandler. Mm-hmm. Guys like that. Shout out AJ AJ Griffin though. I didn't. Realize that he's Adrian Griffin's son from the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, Adrian the, the, Griffin. Is this son. is my live reaction right now. Yeah. And even. Yeah. I had no idea. And uh, Adrian Griffin said in an interview that um, Nick Nurse has signed off. If 
the Duke Blue Devils made the Final Four, that Griffin will be able to go watch the Final Four game and uh, excuse if he was uh, that, that, that's a game. very cool you know what would be cool I have a feeling like not to go off with a tangent but I feel like next year I don't even though I don't want to lose Adrian Griffin I feel like one team is going to offer yeah because he's such a great assistant such coach. a great assistant we and saw what Chris Finch has been able to do with Minnesota I know cool other teams are watching together. it'd be cool if they're together imagine his dad coaching yeah imagine that it's almost close to close to impossible Raptors get Adrian Griffin yeah it's going it's gonna to be tough he's a great he's a great coach unless, he's been the lead assistant for ever up. since he's been a part of the, the coaching staff but yeah his son's going to be in the NBA Can't and he's going to he's going to be able to see his son play in the Final Four like how he said in the interview wow. and not just any Final Four but against the North Carolina Tar Heels which is a rivalry that I think I'm dropping USC. everything I'm doing and I'm watching that I'm game. I'm watching it. I know. I know, I know this is gonna be some, be some little bit of beef, maybe some toxicity. Oh, some trash, definitely, definitely. And one can't guard me. Definitely, definitely. We've seen they spoiled the Coach K's uh, uh, final game in Durham, and uh, so you know, Blue Dev, the Blue Devils are gonna be coming out for revenge. But yes, sir. We're definitely gonna be talking about that once that happens, and we have some time to be able to let it marinate and be able to give our thoughts. But. That wraps up this week's episode of the Hoop Central Podcast right here on Spirit Live. It's been your boy, Nakeem. It's been your boy, Malik. And we shall see you all next week. Take it easy. See ya, see ya, see ya, see ya.